So sin is the biggest and only issue we have. We, we, we struggle on a daily basis to overcome this one thing we call sin. And we, we search the scriptures and we, we try and figure out, we cry out, Lord, how do we do this, God? How do we look more like your son, God? What is this thing? How, does it, how is it how, holding us such ba- so back? How does it seem to have so much power and control over us? And we, we, as we search the scriptures, we look in every book except one. In John 1 verse 1, the very book where everyone is directed to as soon as they enter the faith, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and, and instead, of, instead of starting in the actual real beginning of our Bibles, we start somewhere in the middle, and we miss the foundation stone. We miss the cornerstone that is Yeshua and he is the walking truth word that became flesh. And that word is the only word that existed when he became flesh. And that is the Torah and the prophets, the beginning of our Bible. And so I want to submit to you that if we understand this battle with sin and how to overcome it from the foundational perspective, then the New Testament would be the cherry on the cake to make us overcome. But we try and put the cherry, take the cherry when there is no cake to put it on you. So today I want us to look at Genesis 3, the fall of man and what it teaches us about sin. You would be surprised on the death of it as what as to how Satan comes with his lies, how how we as human beings react to them and how and most importantly, how the father reacts. And so I want us to look into this and I want you to stick with me through this teaching because I believe it will edify you in overcoming the deepest, darkest, secret sins in your life that you have. And the serpent was more crafty than all the laws of the field which God had made. And he said to the women, is it true that God has said, do not eat of every tree of the garden? And the women said to the, to the serpent, we are to eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, do not eat of it, nor touch it, it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall certainly not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes shall be opened and you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. So the first thing that the scriptures teach us about the enemy is that he comes in a, a crafty way and he crafts. Truth sprinkled with a lie. The truth of the matter is, is that they will know good and evil because God's because it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That there is truth in that, but the lie is, is that you will become like God. And so this is why the father says, I'm not a God of confusion because the very diff- confusion, the source of confusion is when there is truth and there comes a lie that combines with the truth. And we often see this with people who they come out of, of, of a lie. Maybe they've been believing a lie their entire lives and now they're being presented the truth. And there's confusion because now they're still holding on to a lie, but now there's, they're also starting to hold on to truth. And they're holding on to both black and white, holding on to both a lie and the truth at the same time. But it's impossible to please God in that way. We need to depart from all lies, know the truth so well that all lies will just fall off of us. Furthermore, the enemy says that the lie that the enemy comes and pushes, he says, I will make you like God. 
You see, he wasn't attacking their morality. He was attacking their identity. For the fathers already proclaimed to them, look, I'm, I'm Adam and Eve. I'm, I'm making you in my image. I'm creating you in my likeness. You have, you have that identity. You're a son and daughter of the living God. This is who you are. But the enemy says, no, you know what? If, 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 if you just take, a, just take a bite of this, you know, you're going to become even more like him. You're going to receive even more. You're going to get something more. And it comes from the place of pride and our, and our desire to, to get more, get, get, get something out of it. And the women saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise. And she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave to her husband and he ate. And so we see that when the women saw the fruit, there were three things that she saw within it that made it desirable. The first was that the tree was good for food. In other words, this, she was convinced that this tree, this, this fruit was as good as food for it was going to fulfill her. It's gonna, there's a hole in her heart. There's something missing that, that she feels is missing. And she's convinced that if she takes a bite of this food, that it will fill that. It will give her that fulfillment. On the second level, we see that she, she thought it was, it was pleasant to the eyes. In other words, just like the father says that, the, that Satan comes and masquerades as an angel of light. He not only does that, but he comes and he crafts. And makes things desirable, makes sin desirable for us. And he comes and makes it beautiful. And he makes it seem holy even. He makes it seem pure. And, it, and, it, and it's so pleasant to the eyes of our flesh. Lastly, she classified the tree as desirable and as, as able to make one wise. In Proverbs 14, verse 12, we read how there is a way that seems right to a man, but in its end, it leads to destruction. And there is there is always a wisdom of the world. We see this in science where where we see this in, in knowledge of the world, which is unto foolish, which is foolishness to God. For the wisdom of the world is simply what seems right to a man. It's divorced from the truth. It's divorced of the wisdom that only the Spirit of God can bring. And so she was convinced that if she t took part in this fruit and this sin, that this sin would give, make her more wise. This sin would be a wise, logical thing to do. And we today, of, of course, we go and we do that. And we, we start making the logical rationalizations around why this sin we're in is okay, at least for now. What's the worst that can happen? And there might even be logical conclusions for committing this sin. Maybe it might even be a business deal that may bring in a lot of money, but that requires dishonesty. It may seem like a logical and a wise business decision to make that. But meanwhile, it is foolish just in the sight of God. And there is always a consequence. And so as soon as she gave it to the, her husband and he ate, then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loin coverings for themselves. And they heard the voice of God walking about in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. And so right after they come and they, they realize their guilt and they realize what they've done and they realize the death of their transgression. It's so interesting that, you know, the transgression, we, we never realize the death and the, the true consequence and the, 
of, of, or of the sin until we commit it. And as soon as I did that and I realized that their first reaction was to go and hide. They, they ran into the bushes, they, they sewed fig leaves together, they, they covered themselves up for they felt exposed, they hid themselves in bushes, and they hid away from the face of God. This was their first instinct. And in the same way, that's exactly what we do as soon as we commit a sin, we feel so guilty and ashamed that, that you know, we, can't, we, can't, we can't stand even in a praying a prayer. We, can't, we need to get depart from the presence of God. We need to depart, run away from Him. And then the next thing that the Father does is, is he, he walks through the garden and He says, My son, my daughter, where are you? Why are you hiding? What are you hiding from? And the father comes and he says it not because he has a lack of knowledge of what they've done or the death of that consequence, but he walks through the garden and he's, he's where, where are you? Where are you? Why, why are you hiding? And he's giving them grace. You never thought the grace was in the Old Testament, right? But yes, the father walks through the garden and in a gracious manner says, where are you? And he's, he's yearning for them. He's eagerly waiting patiently for them. And he was waiting for them to repent of their sin. And it's so important to understand that when we, we feel that guilt and that shame and that we need to remove ourselves from the presence of God, it's so incredibly important to know that this is simply a tactic of the enemy. For if God, we often feel like we are being pushed away by God. We feel like because of our sin, God departs. But brother and sister, what if I told you that God never departed? In fact, he's come and walk, started walking after you, asking you where you were. He's asking you, where are you going? Why are you departing from me is what the Lord says. You see, it's actually the enemy who lies to us in our transgression, our sin, and we feel condemned and guilty. And the enemy actually comes and tells us, oh, you know what? God can't stand you. You need to, God is departing from you. That's what the enemy comes in. And it's a lie. And when in reality what's happening is the father hasn't departed. In fact, the father is trying to draw near. The father is in fact coming and he's coming coming closer he's walking up to you and he's, he's searching he's like why are you hiding don't come don't run away don't, don't come to me and confess your sins tell me what happened let's talk about this come to me bring it to the table i love you i'm not gonna leave you for, for the dogs i'm not gonna depart from you i don't want you to depart from me either so just come to me Come and pray and, and speak and let's reason out this thing together. And see, in that place, when we humble ourselves before the Father, we come and we repent and not hide away, not delay for a second or moment, a day or a month or a year, but come immediately before the Father and say, Lord, I've done this, I've committed this in that moment, right after I did it, right after I realized the depth of my transgression. I go into His presence and I say, Lord, I've done this, Lord, and I need you, God, to, to help me with this, Lord. I have failed you, God. I've fallen short of your glory, God. But oh, come, Lord, I need it. I know that you're, you and your Son, you're the only one who can set me free. You're the only one that can save me. You see, if we try and hide away in the bushes, what we're actually trying to do is we're trying to sort ourselves out first alone. And then we think when we can sort ourselves out alone, then we can come into the Father's presence. Brother and sister, there is no way for you to have freedom apart from the blood of Yeshua that cleanses you and sets you free. And if you think that you can do it alone, and that's what the enemy is going to try and make you think, that you can try and get free alone, it's going to be a long cycle of getting up and falling and getting up and falling and getting up and falling. 
And see what the father instead does is when we run that race and we fall, he immediately comes and he picks us up because we cry on his name. He immediately comes and picks us up and he runs with us. But see, brother, sister, if you try and pick yourselves up, you're going to take one or two more steps. You're going to fall yet again because the father is not running with you. I invite you today to start running with him in this battle against your sin. And so instead of Adam going to the father and in, in repentance and, and coming before him, and, and I want to submit to you that while I don't know the true what, what would have happened, but if Adam might have, would have come to the father in that repentance state on his own, history might have turned out differently today. But because Adam went and he, he simply hid away from the father, refusing to repent, the father had to go and face Adam. The father had to go and confront Adam in his sin. And the way that what happened is Adam, the first thing that came out of Adam's mouth is this. The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said that the snake deceived me and I ate. And so we see immediately that, that, that because Adam is, is still at this point unrepentant of his sin, he still has so much pride. And the first thing he does in his sin is he says, oh, God, you know what? It's that woman you gave me. It's her. And, I, and what happened is, is this blame game, a, a cycle of a blame game is, is starting to happen. And Adam just puts the blame on Eve and he makes an excuse. In the same way, that's what we do today. We, when we're confronted in our sin, if we, we, we refuse to confess our sin the moment we realize it, but when, when we're confronted in it through God or, or someone that God sends on our path, the first thing we do is we make an excuse. And excuses, excuses is what modern Western believers live and breathe on. For whenever we are confronted with the walk of Yeshua and while we're not walking like him, we start making excuses. Oh, you know what? That part of Yeshua's walk was abolished. Oh, you know what? I don't need to do that anymore because Yeshua did it. Jesus did it for me. And so we start making excuses and we live on excuses. And that's exactly what, I, what Adam did. And excuses is one of the most demonic things that, that, that we can walk out. It's from the devil. It's from the pit of hell. It's making excuses around the word of God and around our our, our transgression. After the man blames Eve and Eve blames the serpent, God comes and the first thing he does is he brings justice. Because you've done this, you are cursed more than all the livestock and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you are to go and eat dust all the days of your life. He curses the serpent and he says, you will eat dust all the days of your life. And when we go into that word dust in the Hebrew, it literally means rubbish. It means dirt. And so when we look at uh, today, what is the dirt and the rubbish that Satan is feeding off? It's our sin. Satan is dependent on our fallen nature or fallen identity. He sold us this fruit with the seed that, that contains a counterfeit identity. That identity that says, I will make you like God. Even though they were as God already, they were already made in image. This is a, this counterfeit identity, this lie that he sold them, would be, became a part of their nature. And that is what we call today the fallen nature. He depends on us to live in our flesh, to live in our fallen nature, where our flesh 
actually rules over our spirit and we are led away by the desires of our flesh and the consequence of being led by the desires of our flesh of course is sin fear shame guilt lust hatred bitterness anger all these things are or are, are, are gives authority to the enemy. Whenever we are angry, whenever anything happens and we're in a room, we invite the enemy in. Whenever we fear, we invite the enemy in. Fear gives authority. If you fear the enemy, you give him authority. But if you that's why God says, fear me. If you've got a godly fear of God, you give him authority. And the enemy's got no reign or right. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall crush your head and you shall crush his heel. And this is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. This is a prophecy of Yeshua. So first he says that he's going to put em- that God says he's going to put I'm putting enmity between the serpent and the woman. The father says that he this seed that comes forth from the woman will crush your head and you talking about the enemy Satan will bruise his heel. And so we see that this is the fulfillment of the prophecy and this is the plan that God has brought forth of redemption. Where Yeshua has come and we see that he did in fact trample on the serpent. He in fact did destroy, come to destroy the works of the devil. But at the same time, the enemy came to bruise his heel. And how did, Yeshua, how did the enemy do that? You see, we, well, everything that the enemy does, everything that the enemy does, God uses and turns around for the good. Uh, when the enemy made an assignment for, to, to bruise the heel of the Son of God, the Messiah, the one we call Yeshua, he came in the form of Judas, and Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Judas came and backstabbed Jesus. Judas came and bruised the heel of Jesus. Bruising the heel is a Hebrew idiom. It's basically what we call today backstabbing. And so the enmity between the seed of the woman and man is incredibly evident today where Satan's, the, Satan's plan is to corrupt our seed, our, who we are and, and what we are by his seed, both spiritually and physically. He both has been seeking out to destroy the creation of God by DNA modification and uh, all kinds of things. We see the giants, the Nephilim in the Bible. We see all kinds of, 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 of opportunities to say, as a time the snake tries to take to, to corrupt the seed physically. We also see that he tries, to, he attempts to corrupt our seed spiritually where he wants us to live in that fallen nature. But God comes with a plan. And this plan is to rip out all the seeds, the corrupted seed that the enemy has sown into our being and replace it with the seed that Yeshua brings. The seed sown by him. And see, what happens with seed is when we plant seed in the ground, it bears a plant, it bears a tree. And that tree bears fruit. And that fruit falls to the ground and the seed within it grows a brand new tree. And so whatever tree grows, whatever seed it is, all of that determines what fruit will be grown and what seed that fruit will be, will be bringing forth. And so I want to ask you the question, what seed are you bringing forth? You see, in our sin, this, the, the, we are corrupting our fruits. We're corrupting the tree that we are. And with that, we, every, every fruit that we carry will be full in corruption and will breed more corruption. 
And so this is an incredible responsibility. We have responsibility not only be to be holy before God, but be to be holy before this world. For the fruits that we carry will determine whether we will be able to partake on and the fruit that grows on the tree of life situated in the heavens so we may enter into the gate of heaven and dwell with the Father for all inter- eternity. And so after all this, we see that the Father is now um, he's dealt with Hasatan. He told Hasatan what his consequence will be. And because God is a just judge, he there is he has to implement the consequence that he um, according to his word, he has instructed Adam on 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 how, on what the consequence would be. And so he follows through. He gives the consequences with their that women will bear uh, will bear uh, children in labor uh, as well as that her husband will rule over her. We also read that that man will labor and toil in the earth for 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 all the days of his life. And, and probably the biggest consequence is that, that God goes and says that I'm going to put angels around the tree of life. I'm not going to allow you to partake in it right now because you are in a fallen nature right now. You have transgressed my covenant that I made with you. The vows between me and you, you have transgressed. And so now I need to remove this gift of eternal life from you. And in removing the gift of eternal life, what God immediately starts doing after that is the word that was in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God is sent forth soon to do the work that God has sent. First, God gives his instructions to his people. And a little bit later, he sends his son to redeem his people. And so through his son and the restoration process that he has started to restore all things that was lost in the Genesis garden relationship that we had with Father. And he comes and attempts to restore that relationship by giving us the gift of eternal life. And this gift in its essence is basically opening up the doors to partake in that tree of life again. So we can eat of its fruit and live forever. But we will not have access to that tree unless we bear good fruit. Only uh, something only that we can do and access by Yeshua. It is impossible for me or for you to overcome sin, to overcome anything apart from Yeshua. Brother and sister, let me tell you that the enemy has been telling you that the power of Yeshua is not enough to set you free. And I'm telling you that it is enough to set you free for he has set me free from every sin and transgression that I have been battling with my entire life. I'm telling you that there's freedom in his name. There's freedom and power that follows his name. And we, but all that we need to do is we start to, need to start believing it. We need to stop battling on our own. We need to start hiding in the bushes. We need to stop trying to listen to the lies of the enemy and try to take in truth and lie and, and all that. We need to get on the word, understand what truth is so we can discern and, and the lie immediately and know when it comes. For my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge as God declared in Hosea. And now he's saying, come back to me. Right, guys, so thank you for sticking through with me to this teaching. I just want to pray for you right now because I know that sin is something that holds on to us in dark and deep places. But I want to tell you that there is such a place of freedom that exists 
Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you about this place of freedom that I live in. There is a place of freedom where you can live, where lust has no more dominion over you, where anger has no more dominion over you, where sickness has no more dominion over you, where you can live in a place of freedom, self-control, bearing the fruits of the spur, where the nations will come from all across the world and, and look at you and say, what is this fruit you're carrying? How is it possible for you to live and look so differently? How is it possible for you to be set apart? See, the Father's instructions causes us to live a set apart life that looks nothing like the world. But see, that is life is only possible by the grace of Yeshua and His empowerment. He didn't die so that we didn't need to keep the commandments of the law anymore. He died to show us how. He died to show us what it takes. He showed us the perfect example. And He was tempted in all areas in all areas and he fell in none and in other words that he can he understands what you're going through he was tempted in whatever sin you can think of and and this is something we can't even grasp but every sin that is there is out there we are not even tempted in every sin that's out there we've got our own little things that we struggle with he was tempted however in all areas but never fell and so Brother and sister, I want to submit to you that God knows what you're going through. He knows the, the struggle. He knows the battle. But He wants you to go. And when the enemy comes and that lie mixed with truth, He wants you to simply reply. like Just like Jesus, Yeshua applied in the wilderness and, and replied with the Word of God. For out of His belly will come rivers of flowing water and He will fill you to the brim. And when you hit the brim, you will bear good fruit. My God, so may God bless you and keep you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for freedom right now, Lord. Father, we speak to every sin right now. In the name of Yeshua, shame, guilt, fear, condemnation right now. In the name of Yeshua, every sickness that's come from that, I command you to leave right now. Father, I thank you for freedom, Lord. Father, I thank you, God, for for righteousness, Lord. I thank you for creating such a desire and eagerness and boldness and holiness within us, Father, to walk exactly like Yeshua. I thank you, God, for no more excuses, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we will no longer say oh, this or this or this of why we're not following you, but Lord, that we will follow you no matter the cost. We will follow you no matter the what, 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 we, what we think, what we feel. We will follow you no matter what, Lord. We will die to ourselves, God. We will kill our flesh, get out of the way, Lord, that with the seed of Hasatan, and we will bear the good seed and good fruit that comes from intimacy with you, Lord. Father, I proclaim that over your people in the name of Yeshua. Thank you guys. Have an amazing day, and God bless you so much. I love you guys so much.